Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. The Gospel of John was written to prove that Jesus is indeed the Messiah and that those who believe in Him will have eternal life. Now let's join Pastor Brent for our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. These Jews in their minds, they are right. God is wrong. I'm telling you, nothing's changed in over 2,000 years. That is how religious rage is directed at Jesus. When Jesus or God is not who you think he should be or you, he's not who you want him to be, then we get upset at God for not being what we want. But then we come to point number one. Jesus declares, watch this. He says, I tell you the truth. We want the truth regardless, right? Please say Amen. I want the truth. I don't want just what I want. I want God's eternal, absolute truth. So in chapter 8, verse 48, the text says, The people retorted. Retorted. That's a $10 word for they were upset. The people retorted. Use that in a sentence this week. It'll get people's attention. The people retorted, You Samaritan devil. Who are they talking to? Oh, they're going to hell. <laughs> you, are you all right? I like the way you're looking at me. They're talking to Jesus like this. I didn't even talk to my mom or dad that way. You get beat down. The people retorted to Jesus, you Samaritan devil, didn't we say all along that you were possessed by a demon? That is the argument of the Jews. Jesus accused them in the previous text of being children of Satan, and he proved it. He proved it. And their argument back is, no, we're not. You are. Oh, my gosh. Children. Children when they're adults. Oh, that's so frustrating. (laughs) Right? 40-year-old children. I am not. You are Jesus. Whatever you say to me bounces off of me, sticks to you. That's their argument. They responded to Jesus with their best, both racist and spiritual cut down. Jesus was not a Samaritan, and they knew that. Duh. They said it only to racially demean him in public. They said it as a cut. That's all. It was a dumb statement. It was a childish, immature statement. Jesus was not possessed by a demon, and they knew that. They just didn't have a better response to Jesus using the evidence of their own attitudes and actions to prove that they were, in fact, children of Satan, not Abraham and God the Father. Jesus told us who we are. He spoke the truth. We don't have an argument, so they're guilty. They were guilty of Jesus' accusation. They were wrong, and they had no argument left. So, so. Is Jesus going to use his laser eyes and obliterate these childish little pukes? We'll have to look at the next text to see what he does. Verse 49. Now you know how the mind of Brent works. It's a good thing that I, well, you know, whatever. I'm not always patient with people. Grow up! Jesus, he's, he's the, the model. All right, verse 49. No. So you have these, these people making, Jesus, you're a Samaritan devil. You're the one that's, that's possessed by a demon. And Jesus, in all of the patience and grandeur of God himself, he says, no. 
Jesus said, I have no demon in me. Watch what he does. I have no demon in me, for I honor my father, and you dishonor me. He called them on their garbage, and that was true. And I don't think that he's all wound up whenever he says it. I think he's being very serious. I honor my father. You dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, that's important, God is going to glorify me. And we know how the story ends, so we know exactly what Jesus is talking about. He goes on, he says, he, speaking of God the Father, is the true judge. So what you think about me doesn't really make any difference. What I think about you doesn't really make any difference. We all submit to the glory of the authority and the judge of God the Father. And then Jesus says in verse 51, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone, everyone say anyone. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. The proof that Jesus is not possessed by a demon is that he lives to honor God the Father. I just want to take a moment and let you absorb that a little bit. Make your own personal application. The proof that Jesus is not possessed by a demon is that he lives to honor God the Father. So you're thinking to yourself... Am I possessed by a demon? I don't know if you're thinking that or not. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us if you are. The acid test is, are you living to honor God the Father? God the Father is glorified in this text we see when Jesus says, I tell you the truth. God the Father is glorified as Jesus lives to honor the Father. And God, the true judge of all, glorifies Jesus the Son. It's this incredible cycle. It's beautiful. Jesus glorifies God, and what does God do? He honors the Son. And it becomes circular. We give God glory with the way, by the way that we live, and we honor God by living in obedience to His teachings. And what happens to us? God lifts us up, and He blesses us, and His glory is shined through us. That's a pretty good deal. We give God all the glory we can, and he shines his glory down on us. That's a good deal. Then Jesus anchors this conversation with this preposterous truth. He says, anyone, anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. Not only is Jesus not possessed by a demon, but those who follow and obey his teachings will never die. He took the conversation from being demon-possessed and throwing accusations back and forth at each other to eternal life. Jesus is not arguing for argument's sake. He's not here to win the argument. He is making a theological declaration of truth. John As he sets up in the prologue of John chapter 1, he sets up the prologue. Jesus is both the source of all life. Get your brain around that for half a second. Jesus is the source of all life. And he is the one who is the giver of that life. Sounds a little bit redundant, but it's kind of technical. 
Jesus is the source of all life, and Jesus is the giver of that life. Something that only, remember we talked about in John chapter 1 in the prologue, that John is setting up the ultimate supreme deity, the God. He describes the God. And then Jesus comes along, and he says, he explains how he is the source of life and that he is the source of, he is the giver of life, something that only the ultimate supreme deity has the power to do. Only God has the power to do what Jesus is talking about. Only God, the ultimate supreme deity, has the power to give eternal life. And Jesus just told them, follow me and you'll have eternal life. Jesus is again publicizing that he is God. And in him, only in him, is their life. Only in Jesus. Do you follow what's happening? There's a chain of events. I'm going to back up because some of y'all, y'all hesitated on me there. Jesus says, He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. He's declaring that he is God, and the Jews know what he's doing. There's a chain of events. Sometimes we get this kind of confused in our living for Christ. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God first. You put your trust and your belief in Jesus, and because you believe that He is the Son of God, because you believe that He is God, you follow Him by obeying His teachings. Because if you really believe that He's God, you believe that He's smarter than you. (laughs) Crickets, except for Larry. Yeah, if we believe that he's really God, then we believe he's smarter than us, so it makes sense for us to follow his teachings, to obey his teachings. So you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and because you believe, you follow him. And because you believe, you also have eternal life. We do not believe because we follow. We follow because we believe. Does that make sense? And we have eternal life because we believe. We put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he transforms everything. It begins with belief in Jesus. So Jesus keeps explaining to us in the Gospel of John who he is so that we will believe in him. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. We should set aside our preconceived ideas about who Jesus should be or who God should be or who we want him to be, and we should listen carefully to the truth that Jesus is telling us. John keeps pounding away at the same message. He writes so that we might hear the truth and that we might believe and have eternal life. Brent, how long are you going to teach this? Well, we're in chapter 8 and we have several chapters to go and we're just going to keep hammering away that John wrote this so that you and I can believe and have eternal life because it's the most important message you'll ever hear in your entire life. Jesus tells us the truth, so listen to him. Don't rage against God if the truth is not what you wanted it to be like these Jews in this story. Number two, Abraham rejoiced. 
Abraham rejoiced. I don't know why. It's a funny picture in my head. You have Abraham, right? He's this old guy with a bushy gray beard, and he's just getting all happy about God. If Abraham had been here in worship service this morning, he would have been getting his praise on, right? This is why I stand on the front row. Just face it this way. Just sing my heart out. Verse 52. Here we go. Abraham's going to rejoice. The people said, now we know. Now, now we know that you're possessed by a demon, Jesus. Even Abraham and the prophets died because he's told them that you can follow me and you can live forever. Even Abraham, our prophet Abraham, our ancestor Abraham, our forefather Abraham, even Abraham that we hold in such high regard, and the prophets, they died. But you say, anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. Verse 53, watch this. The people ask Jesus, are you greater than our father Abraham? (laughs) Oh, come on. They go on. They say, he died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Sometimes I think that God is brilliant. Other times I'm the dummy. But sometimes you see how brilliant God is. It is as if Jesus has guided these people into asking the exact question that he wants them to ask. Who do you think you are? Let me explain to you who I am. I'm glad you asked the question. Humanly speaking, what Jesus is offering is too good to be true. So they reject it. What Jesus is offering is too good to be true. This can't, we can't just receive mercy from God the Father. We have to do something to earn it. We have to do something to make ourselves good enough. We have to do something. We have to keep the law. We have to make ourselves holy. We have to make ourselves pure. And then God the Father will be happy that we're here. And so what Jesus is teaching, that if we just follow him, follow his teachings and be obedient, that God's just going to give us eternal life. It doesn't make any sense. It's too good to be true. That's not the God that I believe in. Jesus is not purporting to be another prophet. Use that word too. That's a good word. Jesus is not purporting to be another prophet like Isaiah or Jeremiah. Jesus is not claiming to be uh, comparable to Abraham. That's all the Jews doing. The Jews are the ones making the comparison of Jesus to Abraham. Abraham is our father. The Jews asked Jesus, Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus, who do you think you are? Do you, are you so arrogant to think that, that you are greater than our father Abraham, who had many sons, and we think we're one of them? Only we know they're not. Jesus, who are you? Verse 54, Jesus answered, bum, bum, bum. We need sound effects. Jesus answered, if I want to glorify myself, I feel more sternness when Jesus gets to this point. If I want to glorify myself, it doesn't count. Now, that is absolutely reasonable, right? Jesus is not in a position to glorify himself. It doesn't count if you glorify yourself. But... If my father, 
who will, but it is my Father, pardon me, who will glorify me. Now, the Jews don't know what Jesus is talking about, but we do. That Jesus is going to be resurrected from the dead, and he is going to be glorified by God the Father. And no one's going to be able to deny that Jesus died and was raised from the dead by God, and he is God. So God the Father is going to glorify Jesus. Jesus is not going to glorify himself because that doesn't count. But it is my Father who will glorify me. You say he is our God. Jesus Jesus is a master at bringing people in. Even whenever he's arguing against them, he pulls them in and he says, You say he, Elohim, is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great of a liar as you. Winning friends here? But I do know him and obey him. Jesus is submitting himself to God the Father. Verse 56, he says, Your father Abraham, that you hold so tight to, (coughs) pardon me, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it. Father Abraham saw it. And was glad. Got it? Abraham rejoiced at the coming of the Messiah. God had made a promise to Abraham. And even though it was an absurd promise, it was a crazy promise. It was a crazy promise. Abraham believed that what God said was absolutely true. God sends a couple of guys to talk to Abraham, say, you're going to have a son. Abraham says, I'm too old. Sarah says, I'm too old. That's impossible. Not even God can do that. And Abraham says, I'm going to believe anyway. It doesn't make any sense. Jesus comes to these, to these Jews and he says, I'm here to save you, to set you free from sin, to make you sons of, of God. And they say, can't be done. Not, even God can't do that. That's his argument. Abraham looked forward to the day that God would send his own son. Abraham believed in the promise of God. Abraham looked forward to the day that God would send his own son to die in our place so that every family on the face of this little blue planet would be blessed. So that every family on the face of this planet would have the opportunity for the triune God to reach down and give them something eternally wonderful. I started to put together the words eternity and wonderful. Eternal. My brain works faster than my mouth. It's not always evident, huh? Abraham is looking forward to the day when God sends his very own son to die in our place so that the whole world will be blessed by God. Some 2,000 years previous to this moment when the Jews are questioning Jesus and telling him that he's demon-possessed and he's a Samaritan devil, there's a young man, there was this young man, his name is Isaac, and he's walking along on a trip. He's going on a trip to worship God. He's walking along with his dad. As they walk along, the Isaac, the son, he has a question on his mind because he's looking around and he knows we've worshipped together before. We worship God. I know how this works. 
we're walking along, father and son, and Isaac says to Abraham, he says, Father, we have wood, we have fire, but where is the sacrifice? It's the most emotional story in all of Scripture as far as I'm concerned. Abraham says, Isaac, the Lord will provide. The Lord did provide the sacrifice. It is because the Lord has provided the sacrifice that Isaac did not have to die. It is because the Lord has provided the sacrifice that you and I do not have to die. Are you with me? You bet Abraham looked forward to Jesus, to the Messiah, and he was glad because it meant something to him. Isaac, the Lord will provide the sacrifice. I don't want to have to give you. I don't want to have to sacrifice you. Isaac doesn't know what's going on. Abraham knows exactly what's going on. Abraham understood what the life-giving message of Jesus is. Abraham rejoiced at the fulfillment of the covenant of God. God said he would bless, and he is blessing. I'm skipping through my notes. If these Jews really understood, if they really understood Abraham, their father, if they understood his heart, they would be rejoicing along with Abraham about Jesus instead of condemning Jesus. Here's the picture. These Jews are standing here face to face with the sacrifice that their father Abraham had prophesied the Lord would provide. He's right here. The father Abraham that they hold in such high regard He spoke that the Lord would provide a sacrifice, and here stands the sacrifice, and they're blind to it. Number three, verse 57. I titled this, I Am, because it's important. The people said, because they're going to argue with Jesus, right? That's what we do. You aren't even 50 years old. How can you say... You have seen Abraham. The Jews had a certain perception of how things would be concerning the Messiah. Jesus didn't fit into that perception. So when he claims to be the Messiah, he doesn't fit, so they rage against him. You're not the God we thought you were going to be, so we don't like you. You're demon-possessed. We, get, we dismiss you. They are children of deception, like I preached uh, previously in this text, in John chapter 8. Jesus explains the truth to them. That's important to you and I, that we hear the truth when the truth is explained. He even uses their own stories. He uses their own patriarchs, their own prophets. But they still cannot understand who Jesus is. Is verse 58. Jesus answered again, he says, I tell you the truth. I think he's pleading with them at this point. Please believe what I'm telling you. I tell you the truth. Before Abraham, 
Now he's upping the stakes too. Before Father Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden from them and he left the temple. Moses is out in the Sinai desert uh, learning to be a shepherd and avoiding murder charges back in Egypt, right? He's a quality man. I'm being sarcastic. God appears to Moses in the form of a burning bush. God tells Moses to go and lead Israel out of, out of slavery in Egypt, out of bondage in Egypt. Moses says to God, he says, but they won't believe me. Who should I tell them sent me? And God answered with two words that transcend human logic. God says, tell them I am sent you. Throughout all time, throughout all the eons of history, only God is always present. He is I am in the past. He is I am in the future. And he's I am right now. He is always present in the here and now. Only God can trans, transcend time and, and exist before Abraham was born. Exist at the moment that Jesus is speaking to these Jews and exist right this moment. Isn't that cool? That's why he says, tell them I am sent you. Because it doesn't matter what point in time we are, God is with us. Only God. John sets it up in his prologue this as well. Only God can transcend time and space and be the I am. The Jews understood exactly what Jesus was claiming. They understood that Jesus clearly just identified himself as the God who stands outside of time who is the creator of all things and through whom all things were created. He says, I am. And instead of worshiping this I am, they were filled with religious rage. They picked up stones to throw at him. Here's the picture. You have these Men who think of themselves as spiritual men, but they're really sin-filled, spiritually blind men. And they're going to throw rocks at the creator of the heavens and the earth. They're going to throw rocks at the Savior that God had mercifully sent to them. First they tried to trick him, then they tried to discredit him. Now they're going to try to kill him. And then, because you and I know how the rest of the story goes... We know that while they're trying to trick Jesus, discredit Jesus, now they want to kill Jesus, Jesus is going to go ahead and die for them. He continues to be the sacrifice. 
Now the praise team's going to come. They're going to come back and they're going to lead a song, The Great I Am. And listen to me. Not to, I don't want, I don't think I can over-dramatize this, but I want you to get your brain around this. The great I am who is present in history, he's present in the future, and he's present right this moment. He is the great I am who is here now. He still cares for his people. He still loves his people. He still gives life. We come to church sometime to get a little academic fix from Scripture and like, Jesus still loves me great. He's a good, good father. Yes, hold on to that. Sometimes we come and it's not something that we just need in our mind, but we come with our soul bare because we have maybe taken a few hits during the week. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, you know where you're at. And we come to church not for a fix, but But to surrender ourselves to the great I am and say, here I am and I need you. I need to know that you are here, present in every moment of my life, that you know exactly what I'm going through today. You know that I'm having some doubts. You know that I may be struggling with sin. You know where I'm at and God, here's my soul, I'm bare before you and I just need you to be the I am in this moment of my life. Let's stand together. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.